thank you everybody for tuning into this episode of the Emerge From Your Box podcast. I've got a super special guest today. I met Tony Novak, um, you know, sharing his journey about his crisis to courage recovery story um, in something that should have knocked him off course. Now we have a little joke between us. He called me Hurricane because <laughs> Marginator <laughs> once upon a time was very passionate about um, the health aspect of life. And you know what? I've actually kicked back, kicked that back into gear now. So let's not talk about me. Let's hear from Tony. Tony, welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And you are a hurricane. Uh, that's why we started talking. Uh, you deadlifting a ton of weight. Uh, I have to respect that, you know, because, <laughs> you know, I, I've been I've been training for probably about 30 something years. I'm going to age myself a little bit. But, uh, you know, it's my life, you know, and that and that kind of, you know, transitions into, you know, why I'm here and, and what I want to share. You know, um, in 2018, on Christmas Eve, I was at the gym and, you know, I'm having a good workout. I'm feeling pretty good. And then I start feeling where I can't breathe. And I'm just like, what's going on? You know, like, am I having like, you know, I, I really was in shock. Like, am I having a heart attack? What, what's going on? I really couldn't breathe. And then I kind of just sat there on the bench and I was like, what is going on? You know? And then um, I'm like, it started to kind of dawn on me that something like seriously wrong. Like I felt like I was going to pass out. And, you know, I, I remember texting my girlfriend saying like, I think I need to go to hospital. I, I really don't know what's going on. And I remember driving home. Uh, well, first of all, just even walking out of the gym was like really hard. Like I had to concentrate everything just to get out of the gym. And I'm like, it was kind of scary, you know, like I, I didn't really know what was going on. But I drove myself home and uh, my girlfriend then, uh, Jules, she took me to like urgent care. And when I went to urgent care, I'm thinking like, maybe I have pneumonia and maybe I have something going on with my lungs, something's going on. Yeah. And then when the, when the guy at urgent care, when, when he scanned me, he, he did a like x-ray in my chest. The look on his face was like something I'd never seen before. You know, and he's like, you need to go to the emergency room like now. And he's like, not, you know, like go right now. And I'm like, why? You know, like. I guess something just quickly for the listeners here to pay attention to is, um, you know, when you're working out, yes, you can get into hurricane marginator, super, you know, super, uh, superman mode. But if your body is showing you signs of discomfort, pay attention. You know, don't get yeah. about things like that, but pay attention because, oh, yeah. um, you know, look, if you can, you can't see Tony now, but you will be able to in the YouTube video. Um, you know, he's quite a fit looking person. You know, he's a quite a fit, quite a fit looking boy, but it doesn't matter. You're not, you're not, um, you know, you're not, <laughs> it's not going to evade you if it's meant to right. happen and happen in your life. Um, so just, just be mindful, just pay attention to the signs because, Someone can look really, really fit, but you're about to find out um, what was really going on. So here you are at the hospital yeah. and the doctor said, you got to get to emergency. You got to get to the operation, yeah, gotta, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just remember thinking like, wow, like the look on his face was pretty serious, but I, it still didn't click, you know? And, you know, we went to, long story short, we went to the hospital emergency room and, you know, I, I got checked in and... Um, you know, I'm thinking like, maybe I got the flu or so. I, I didn't know what was going on again. It was Christmas Eve. There really wasn't that many people there. It was a little surreal. You know, it started to feel surreal. 
And then when I finally, when the doctors finally took a look at me and, and did a scan, they were like in panic mode, you know? And I, again, I was like, wow, you know, why is everyone panicking, you know? And so they basically- They hadn't told you anything. No, they didn't tell me anything. That's the thing. It was like, I was, I was so in the dark. Like, I really was like, what's going on? You know, like no one really explained anything to me yet, you know? And, uh, but I, I got a sense that, that something's really serious, you know? And then one of the doctors uh, said to me, um, uh, look, your, your lungs have filled up completely with blood um, and your heart is back pumping more blood into your lungs your kidneys have shut down and your organs are starting to shut down and you have about two hours to live. Wow. And this is Christmas Eve, 2018. Christmas Eve, 2018. And I was like, kind of, not kind of, I was like in shock. Like it, that's a lot to take in. You know, I was just at the gym. I was just, you know, benching <laughs> and, you know, f- feeling good, you know? And, and now someone's telling me that I have hours to live. I mean, he was dead serious. And, and there, and he was cold as ice, you know, and it was, I was kind of like the words coming out of his mouth didn't match with his expression. You know, it was just like, that's what I'm interested in. So you, you're just having a normal day, like, you know, and then all of a sudden you get told you've got hours to leave. What's going on through your mind? What's going on in your (laughs) mind now? Well, the first thing you think, what first thing I thought of was like kind of denial, you know, like, what, what are they talking about? Like, like really the initial reaction is you know you're full of shit like that's not what's happening you know like that's really what you're thinking like you get defensive like Mm -hmm. like you get mad at the person telling you you know and i just remember um just thinking like i just didn't really know what was going on it was happening so fast but then you know my girlfriend's there and i could tell that she's like very very concerned and starting to cry actually after she heard you know, you have hours to live. And it was weird because something just like flipped in my head, like a switch. And it was like, okay, you're going to die, you know, because the, the doctor was like, here, sign this, you know, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna go in a coma and die in a few hours. They asked me if I wanted like a priest, you know, if I was Catholic, do I want a priest? And it was happening so fast. It was literally like, just like 45 minutes ago, I was at the gym you know, and, and, and thinking about Christmas and, and thinking about what I was going to do and what I was going to eat and all that fun stuff, you know? And like I said, there's like a, a switch went off and I was scared at first, you know, like, man, this is it, you know? And the first thing I wanted to do is text my parents. Well, I wanted to call my parents, um, but I, I texted them and just told them kind of what was going on. And I just told them like, I love them. And um, I love them. And, you know, I'm going through, so I didn't want to worry them too much, but I just said, I, I love them. And I'm in the hospital right now. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to get better. Like it, I, I kind of conveyed that it was an emergency, but I didn't say I was dying or anything like that, you know? And I, I mean, just remember. Still in shock. How do you go from, still <laughs> you know, how do you go from to the gym 45 minutes later to the hospital being told you had hours to leave? And how do you deliver that to your parents? Of course, like, it's just, yeah, yeah. It, it, there's so much going on in my head. Like it, it, it's it's hard to even put into words because the, there's so many emotions. Like there's fear, um, fear, and then also like okay, this is it. Like 
you have to tell people like, this is your last conversation with people, maybe, you know? And it's like, what do you want to say? And then kind of everything slowed down. And I kind of, I kind of just, I kind of just had that conversation with, with God. And I was like, all right, um, if this is my time, you know, if this is my time, then I accept it, you know? And I, in my mind, I was like, you know, I, I lived a good life. I was very fortunate. I did a lot of things I never thought I would do. You know, uh, I was, I had a very fortunate life, you know, and, and if this is it, if this is my time, then so be it. And I basically surrendered and it was the weirdest feeling because once I, I really surrendered, like I'm, I'm no longer in control. You know, my whole life I'm in control. I, I'm at the gym. I'm in control. I, I run a business. I'm in control. And in life, I feel in control, you know? And, and that was like the first time in my life where it was like, no, you're, you're not in control. Like you're, you're going to go, you know, this, well, this life is over, you know? And right. Um, this is what I found in my journey. Surrendering is actually a really, for some people, a hard thing to do. But when you're faced with a situation like Tony, where you've got no other choice and you do that, keep listening to his story because you'll see the power of actually submitting yourself to whatever it is that you believe in, whether it's God, whether it's Buddha, whether it's spirituality, whether it's just a flower, like whatever it is that you believe in, you know, the power of surrender is, I believe, the turning point for what you're about to share now, you know. Um, yeah. Wow, well, I'm just, I'm, I'm still thinking like, you know, it's Christmas Eve and it's just, this is how fragile life can be, right? For people that are listening, take note of every second that you get and be grateful for that, for whatever it is that you believe in, tap into that. Because if you don't, like Tony's just shared, he got this lesson, you received this lesson for a reason. So I'm, I'm really, oh, sure. so please continue and share like, so what's happening now? Like you've, you know, spoken to your parents or sent them a message to say that you love them. Yeah. I, I love, I just said I was in the hospital and I love them and uh, you know, I'll give them an update really soon. And then things kind of got a little frantic because they're, you know, they're trying to save my life. You know, they're, they're, they didn't just, you know, say, all right, later, you know, they were like trying to save my life. So, you know, they start hooking me up to things and, and giving me injections of things. So I run IVs, just start doing all that. And um, in my mind, I was like, I surrendered. Like I said, I surrendered. I'm like, if this is my time, then it's my time. And I, I told Jules, uh, I was just like, you know, uh, if I do go, just let my parents know I, I love them. And, and I told her I loved her, you know, and I'm like, just, I mean, literally I had the, you know, take care of my dogs and cats. And like, like, it was just like, that was it. And it, it was weird because as crazy as it is, it felt it felt good to just release. Like, I didn't care. Like all my problems that, that I thought were problems, you know, like, like bills and, and, you know, you know, houses Everybody and cars and, and jobs and just all this. Yeah. It's the first, it was the first time in my life where it was like, it doesn't matter. Like I'm free. Like literally I, it's hard to put into words. Like nothing else really matters. Nothing matters at all. It, it's just you. And, it's you and, and what you believe in, you know, where you're going, you know, and, and it, you kind of get tunnel vision then like, no, there's nothing, there's no, there's no, there was no fear. 
there, there was no anger. There's no anything. There was like, there was just, look, I'm going, you know, and. Isn't that and, interesting that in your, in your, in your experience there, as you surrendered, it, that's where you received clarity. I really did. It was probably the most, it was the clearest I've ever been in my life. It was literally a life-changing event. Like I, I can't put it into words and I don't want anyone to ever have to go through that to get, get that clarity, but that puts things in perspective. Like it, you don't, you, you think about what you could have did. It, it's kind of like everyone says like, you know, your life flashes before you. It kind of does. It not kind of does. It does. But you, you don't, you just think of all the things you didn't do, you know, like you think about what you didn't do and what you kind of wish you would have done. And it's just so clear. And it's just, it's an amazing feeling, you know? Um, but all the what luckily if, for all the what now and all the, you know, all the, all the insignificant stuff goes to the wayside. And yeah. then you start thinking like, like you said, you know, the first people you thought of were obviously like your parents, you know, the people that you yeah. love in your life. I and mean, if you don't have parents and it could be your pet, like whatever it is, but that yeah. kind of gave you, um, you know, the clarity on what it was that made you feel life, feel alive while you're here. Yeah. And, and the, the thing is, um, when at that moment, all the voices stops, like, you know, we all have chatter in our, I do. You know, I have, I have chatter in my head all the time, you know, like uh, you telling you what you should do, what you shouldn't do, what you plan on doing, what you didn't do in the, in the past. Like the chatter is always there at that time. There's no chatter and it, everything was just clear. And I really felt um, I really felt close to God, to be honest. I, I felt like that was my direct connection to the divine. Like like there was no there's no interference anymore. I was just kind of, I was truly in the now, you know, like nothing else mattered. Like, you know, they always, people always talk about being in the now and like, I was in the now, like nothing mattered. Totally, I wasn't totally present with God. Yes, I, I really was. Um, and then, then, then again, I, I also had, well, no, like I said, I surrendered and I was like, okay, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go. And then they're doing all these things to me. And, and telling me all these updates, like, okay, your heart's at, you know, at 20%, your kidneys are at 3%, you're, you know, and literally they're like, sign this, you know, sign this, sign this, sign this, sign. It was all about covering, you know, <laughs> it was literally all sign this, sign this. And, and I, I can't even make that up. And it, it was kind of funny because like, at that point, I didn't care, you know, like, whatever. Like, I, I really did. I'm not, I just was like, it doesn't matter, you know? The thing is about you, Tony, is that you're quite a strong character, right? So you're, you're going through this, you've surrendered, you understand, like, you know that it's a process, you've got to sign this and that. Imagine somebody that wasn't in your mindset because I know that to train the way you do, you need a certain mindset and that carries through. That's a strategy you apply in many areas of life, you know? So mm -hmm. I'm just thinking for the listeners, like there might be people out there that, um, you know, might be going through something like this. So just... Keep an ear open, you know, be mindful and be there with them if they're going through something like this because it's so important to have that rock. I mean, you, I, I know you a little bit more personally than people listening, but you've got that, like, 
you know, I'll take it on, challenge accepted kind of mentality. Like, it is what it is. Let's just get it done. It's yeah. a process. Like, i got to lift 200 kilos. Yeah, and then I'll have, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just a thing. Yeah. And, and, that, and that's kind of, that's a great way of saying it because that is the kind of person I am. Um, you know, I, I don't, I'm a fighter. You know, I, I don't, I don't back down. You know, I'm human like anyone else. I get knocked down all the time, but I get up. You know, and and this was like kind of like the ultimate get up. You know, um, I surrendered, but then it got to the point where I believed God's like, this isn't your time. You know, like I, I almost felt like, I almost felt like God was saying like, um, I have better, I have bigger plans for you. I really did. I, I felt that it wasn't like words or anything. I just had that feeling like, no, you're, I'm supposed to be here. Like I, I wanted to live. I really wanted to live. It sounds like you were given a chance to do it all over again. And by something, you said challenge accepted. I did. I did. And I really was like, then once I got in that mode, I didn't think about dying. Like everyone's saying you're going to die still. In my mind, I'm like, I'm not dying. Like, I'm not dying. Like, I'm just not. You You made the decision to live. And that's why. Two years later, you're still here. Thank you. Yes. And I'm, I'm very fortunate, you know, so, you know, they, so the, it was a long night, you know, and, but it, I, like I said, I got to a point where I'm like, I'm not going to die, you know, and the, and the doctors keep coming and giving me updates and they're like the most horrific updates, you know, there, there's no sugar coating, you know, it was like with a, with just a straight face. Um, okay. You're going to die. If you're, if you don't die, um, you're going to be on, you're going to need care for the rest of your life. You're going to be on dialysis. Like your, your kidneys are gone. And, and I would just, again, like, why is this happening to me? Like, what did I do? Like, was there something I could have did different? Like, why is this happening? And no one really had answers. They're, they're just like, yeah, they're just matter of fact. Like, this was what's going to happen. So I get all these tests throughout the night and, you know, I'm on IVs, I'm on all this medication. And then the next morning, you know, I'm still here. <laughs> You know, so I didn't die in a few hours. I'm still here. And I have the mindset like, okay, I just want to get out of the hospital. Like, you know, I just want to, I just want to get out of here, you know? And everyone's kind of looking at me weird because I was just wanting to leave. And they're like, no, there's something really wrong with you, you, you know? And that was uh, convinced remember, of something that you knew wasn't the truth, right? Yes. It, no, that, that's a great, that's a great way of saying it. Um, I, everything the doctors were saying to me in my head, I'm like, no, no 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 like i think it's important for people listening to understand that yes you can get a diagnosis which was factual you know your lungs had filled up with blood your organs were shutting down your heart was at 20 percent. all of that but it doesn't mean that the prognosis is always correct because Mm -hmm. personally i believe that there's other ways of managing what they've said is going to happen with your body you're living proof because two years later, you're still here. That night, Christmas Eve, you had two hours to live. It's been a lot longer than two hours. We can all count that far, can't we? So Yes. Yes. Well, uh, the thing is, when they did some tests, they started reading back numbers and stuff. And uh, one, of the, one of the things that your kidneys do is they fi- it filters your blood, right? And, and uh, one of the things that they kind of gauge your kidney health on is your creatinine level. And like the, like the average person kidney uh, creatinine level is usually like between like 0.75 per milliliter or something like that to maybe uh, 1.2 
So 0.75, 1.2 per milliliter or whatever the equation is. And when they read, read my creatinine level, it, it was 125, 125, not one point, anything, a hundred, like, so that's basically saying that my blood was like sewage. It, I mean, literally my kidney was not work. Like my blood was toxic. And from all the doctors that were telling me this, they're like, you should be dead. Like you should be dead. Like that, that level of, you, you should be dead. And they were like in shot. They were looking at me like they're looking at a ghost, you know? And again, my, my girlfriend's with me. She's supporting me. Um, she, she is a wreck though. I could see the stress in her face. I, I could see, but, but she was strong. You know, she was strong. She didn't, she was being strong for me. And, and I was trying to be strong for her. Like, I was kind of like, you know, I'll be all right. Like, you know, that's kind of like, no matter what happens, I'm always like, I'll be all right. You know, I just really believed that, that it was going to work out, you know? And so, you know, fast forwarding in the hospital, they end up telling me that um, I have a genetic kidney disease. It's called FSGS. And it basically, um, you're, they call it um, the silent killer because you usually don't know you have it until you're dead because wow. your, your, your blood gets, uh, it, it, long story short, it, your kidneys get lesions on them and it can't filter your blood. Mm -hmm. and, and, the, and, the, and the worse your blood gets, your body adapts, uh, but it gets to a point where it can't adapt anymore and, and you just die. Right. And that's kind of what happened with me. Like I, I, I didn't really, <laughs> I wasn't listening to my body. You know, when, when you start, when I was feeling like I wasn't feeling right, I kind of like, Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. No, I can do it. I can get through this. I, cause that's kind of my attitude, you know, like it's pretty stubborn. You know, I'm always like, whatever it is. Uh, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Well, I'm fine. Like you're not alone. A lot of people are like that. Sometimes you think, oh, it's just a chest cold, you know, nothing's going on and you go and check it later and it's something like it's worth getting um, just a, a bit of deeper insight because you are your best doctor. You know how yes. your body's feeling, right? You know how to get it better. Me personally, if I feel like I'm getting a cold, I'll start eating garlic and lemon and things like that. Like, do whatever resonates with you, but pay attention to your body because as Tony said, you know, the FSGS condition, you're not going to find out until you're in your casket and you don't want to find out there. It's too late then, you know, pay attention. Sure. So stop, put your no. ego aside if you're listening and if you're feeling something, um, just speak to anyone, you know. Um, don't feel like you have to be that macho man or that macho girl or that strength. It's good to have all that. Nothing wrong with that. But, you know, listen to your body. It's very important that you do. Yeah, uh, and, and I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of, of having an ego and, and not going to the doctor and and you know so you know they're, they're telling me about the fsgs and and i'm asking like the first thing in my mind is like okay how do i get better like and they're like no you don't get better like it, and i'm like well what's the treatment what's the alternative treatment? like in my head i'm already like okay whatever you're saying i don't care i'm gonna find it there's always like a i always feel that there's an answer you know, yeah, like, so this is where the ego is a good thing. People say that the ego is a bad thing, but your stubbornness is, again, why you're still here because you're like, <laughs> I am determined to fight this. There's no other way but this way. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> like like they're saying, like, there's like, like your kidneys are 4% and 3 or 4% and there's no treatment. And right away in my head, I'm like, 
whatever. I'm like, I tune the guy out. Like literally in my mind, I'm like, fuck you. I'm going to live. Like, like I'm going to find like 4% isn't 0%. So no, that's what I, that's in my mind. That is how it works. Like, Oh, wow, I got 4%. That, you know, <laughs> let's build it up. You know, like um, let's work this, you know? And it just, the more and more they talked to me, the more they, it felt like they were trying to bring me down instead of raise me up. Like there's nothing positive about anything the doctors were saying. Everything was like worst case scenario. And in my mind, I was like, look, you guys told me I was going to die last night and I'm still here, you know? Mm -hmm. And now you're telling me that there's no cure. I don't believe them. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a doctor. I, I just, I had this feeling that I just didn't believe them. I, I don't know. Maybe I am too egotistical or, I just didn't believe him. I'm like, no, I'm going to fight this. You Sometimes know, I'm going to fight. You can't explain it. And it doesn't matter what accolades, degrees, PhD, certificates, or whatever you have. If you believe that you can fight it, I believe that you can. And I've seen that in many, many conditions. I interviewed a woman, you know, in the last few episodes who recovered from multiple sclerosis. The doctor said she'd be wheelchair bound and dead within two months. And she lived. Wow. She's still here today. She's fully recovered, you know. So, yeah. No, it, I, I believe that. So, you know, long story short, I go through the hospital thing. Um, you know, I'm in the hospital probably a week. And then they, they, they keep trying to put uh, tubes in me. They, they wanted to put, they just kept wanting to put tubes and stuff in me. And I literally kept saying, no, why? No, why? Really? Why? Like I kept making them tell me why. And they could never give me a good reason. So I go, no, I, I'm not going to get it. So long story short, I was being really a bad patient. I didn't, I, cause they just want to poke you full of holes and put tubes everywhere. And I literally told, I literally told the doctor and I was swearing, I, I, I was not a good patient. I was just like, look, you want to do all this shit to me, but this is me. It's not you. You're not the one walking around with tubes and stuff. Like explain to me why I need this, you yeah. know, like. It was kind of I just like get that. that's not being a bad patient. Just that's just trying to understand why somebody yeah. is invading your private space and can't explain why it's logic to me. And, and, they, and they really couldn't. I'm not disrespecting any doctors because they saved my life uh, or they're a big reason why I'm still here. Uh, and, and they were they did their job, you know, and, and I, I, you know, uh, I'm very grateful, you know. But again, a lot of the things I was asking, they couldn't explain and then they wouldn't do it. Uh, then I said, well, then don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Mm -hmm. But then it got to the point where they're like, okay, you're going to have to go on dialysis. And they don't really explain that. And you don't really know what dialysis is. You know, I'm just like dialysis. What's that? You know, they're just like, well, report to room, blah, blah, blah at, you know, eight, <laughs> eight o'clock on Monday. And I'm just like, huh? You know, while well, I was still at the hospital. So the, the first I'm time I'm wondering had to... why you're still alive after two hours. Right. You're like, yeah, <laughs> it was <laughs> happening like bam, bam, bam. Like, I, it, it was, it was too much to comprehend really. I, at that point, I just, I didn't give a shit what anyone was saying to me. I just wanted to go home. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I wasn't thinking like, I didn't, I wasn't thinking a month down the road or a year or anything. I just wanted to go home. You know, I just wanted to be away from all this negativity because it was all just everyone talking about what's going to happen to me, how it's going to be horrible, how my life's going to suck. I mean, that, that's how I was translating it. But, but to me, I was just like, nope, 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 nope. I'm, I, I, was, I was thinking of finding a way, you yeah. know, uh, like, yeah. So like the way my, my mind works, I'm in the hospital, I'm in the hospital bed, um, you know, with all these horrible things on my mind. And the first thing I'm thinking about, and I kid you not, was how I'm going to train again, how I'm going to work out again. Like, I'm like, man, I'm good. 
I, I literally was thinking like, okay, I can't go to the gym because all this stuff is going to be happening, but what equipment do I need at home to be able to train? And I, I was literally ordering stuff on, on Amazon and, and looking up stuff at the hospital when they're telling me all this negative shit, I'm, I'm literally looking up, how am I going to train? Because I was already thinking about recovering and maybe I was just crazy naive, but that's my thought process. I wasn't thinking about the worst. I was not crazy about, naive. You saw a future version of yourself that you knew yeah. was already like, it was just a matter of, yep, that's done. The, the doctor's got it wrong. How do I adapt? You know, this is this yeah. is your survival instincts kicking in, and yeah. you're just knowing who you are. Like it's not crazy. Yeah. Um. The thing. The thing with me is like no matter like physically, if whatever was going on with me, if it was negative, I always feel like your body knows how to take care of itself. Like <laughs> I, I, I feel like your body knows best, and 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 like for me, if I train. Like my body always adapts and it balances itself out. So like, it, it sounds crazy, but like if I'm sick, okay, I go train, <laughs> you know, and like no matter what I do, if my body's messed up, I train and it seems to balance it out. So in my mind, like going through this horrific stuff, I was like, well, I just need to train. <laughs> like my body, I, I always felt I had faith in my body that my body will heal. I, I really did. And I, the power to heal itself and you just need yeah. to ignite whatever it is. And that yeah. makes you feel good to do that. Like it's sounds really simple and it is. <laughs> it, it, and I was like, it was funny because like, I'm, they're telling me all this like negative stuff and tell me about, I got to go to dialysis and stuff. And I'm like looking up like kidney failure and stuff. And I, I'm looking just, you know, just Googling. And I see all these like, you know, reverse kidney failure, reverse kit, like, you know, get your kidneys healthy again. And all these stories of people that were told they, they're going to be on dialysis the rest of their life. They need a kidney transplant. And mm. And they're healthy, you know? So I'm like, if it happens to them, why can't it happen to me? Like, we're, we're all human, you know? Like, what's the difference? There is no difference. Mm -hmm. You know, it's up here, you know, it's in your head. Yeah. Um, so I'm going through all that. I'm buying gym equipment. I'm already thinking like, I'm gonna be fine. And that's just how I think. And, you know, the first day of dialysis at the hospital, like, I have no idea what to expect, you know, at, at that point, though, I'm kind of skipping stuff. I did have surgery and they put they put a catheter in my chest. So I had a I had a tube coming out my chest. I still have a scar somewhere, but um, I had a tube in my chest and I was just like, I literally was thinking, OK, how am I how am I going to bench press with this in my chest? Like, I I'm like. That's insane. That's insane. I know that's insane, but, but that's so literally what I was... This is something I've learned about kidneys as well, right? Kidneys are directly related to... Kidney failure is directly related to fear. And in this moment of madness, you actually just decided, I'm not scared of dying. I'm going to surrender to God and he's going to take care of it because this is my belief. And it whatever is. it is that you're throwing at me, you know, they were trying to bring you down with all the things that are supposed to happen but yeah. i love that you just went out of your way to um find your own answers because sometimes you have to do that and you and oh, like yeah. you said if someone else has recovered i can too so what's what's the problem you know but yeah for people listening that's something that i've learned over the years um you know and it can manifest into what you ended up with you know um, again, important to just pay attention to the root cause and the underlying things that are building up to end up with 
you know, lung and kidney failure and you still being alive after two years. <laughs> I'm still, yeah. No, well, I, I, I kind of. He's alive, still alive two years later. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, you know, people in general, you know, they, and myself included, you know, sometimes you just need to see someone else do it first. Yeah. You know, like sometimes you limit yourself to what you think is possible for you. And then you see someone else do it and you're like, why can't I do it? And that's kind of like the mentality you have to have, you know, that's like um, don't limit yourself with anything, you know, and that that's way farther than, than health issues. But uh, I think just in life, like don't listen to anyone limiting, telling you, you, you you're going to do this or this, like they have, they're not limiting you. You're, you're not limited. I think you have unlimited potential. You really do. And I really believe that you can go as far as you dream uh, as cheesy as that sounds, but um, Just because somebody has limiting belief and they're inflicting their fear onto you. That doesn't mean you have to adopt that belief or you can choose to, I listen to everyone because I believe that everybody is entitled to their opinion and their voice and everything. But when it comes to limitations, especially like they're not you. So, you know, they can give you advice and their viewpoint based on their experience. And I'm grateful and thankful for that. But doesn't mean that's your limitation. So I'm really glad that you brought it up too, because it's like, well, I'm the same. It's like challenge accepted. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. Watch this, you know? Yeah. Oh, for sure. And, and, you know, so like the first day of dialysis at the hospital, you know, they, they hook up to the catheter in my chest and, you know, they're telling you like, well, uh, you have to wear a mask when they open it up because they're like, well, if you get an infection or if you get a cold, you basically die because it goes right down to your heart. So if you get any, basically you're very vulnerable, <laughs> you know? So it's basically like, be careful with this because if anything gets in there or any kind of virus or any kind of anything, you die. Like there's no, um, if you get an infection, you die. So there's no, there's no, uh, according to them. Yeah, you you don't want to be in that position. So you're kind of like, oh, okay. Um, so they hooked me up to this machine and dialysis, um, Basically, if your kidneys aren't filtering your blood, they have to artificially filter it. So to, to, to clean out all the toxins and stuff. And you really don't know. I had no idea what to expect. No one gives you like a, a dialysis 101, you know, what to expect. Um, and what it basically is doing is it's cleaning your blood and they remove fluid. You know, so usually people with kidney failure, uh, they can't urinate. So they hold fluid. I was fortunate enough to be able to still urinate and stuff. So that's why I, I was denying that I was even sick. Like in my back of my mind, I'm like, I don't believe you that my kidney's not working because I'm still here and I'm still like, you know what I mean? Like, but it doesn't make sense. It's not aligned <laughs> with what they were telling you. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, the dialysis machine pulls out all the, all the fluid that's stored in you and then also cleans your blood. And what people don't realize, I didn't realize is, you know, that process is four and a half hours for, for someone my size. And for most people, it's four and a half hours. And, you know, it's a really wild feeling having your blood going through this machine, you know, like you, like it's, it's really wild. And not only is it wild, it, it really feels like it's sucking your soul out. It really does. Like it feels like it's taking your life essence away. It, it and if you know anyone on dialysis, um, they'll probably tell you the same thing. You know, it, it, it's really hard and you get cramps, but they're not like regular cramps. Like, Oh, I pulled a hammy or something like 
they're like bone wrenching. Like it literally feels like your bones are breaking cramps. And it was like a wild feeling. I'm like, whoa, what, what's going on? You know? Um, it's very interesting to know because, you know, you're saying it takes out the fluids. And I mean, as humans, we're what, 70, 80% water. So that actually yeah. makes sense. So they literally are sucking the life out of you. You know, thank you for that insight because I hear about it all the time, as in, you know, for people that are going through treatments with dialysis, but I never knew that's what it felt like. That's, um, oh, yeah. It, it's, um, it's a wild feeling. So, you know, I get through the first treatment and, you know, your, your head's cloudy. You, you really, you feel like it's a very odd feeling. Uh, you just feel drained, you know? And I was like, wow. And then, you know, the doctor's saying like, okay, um, then you can go, home. basically they released me, but they said, look, you have to go to this treatment, dialysis treatment, uh, three days a week for four hours a day. And I was like, wait, what? you know, like three days, a week, four hours a day, you know, and they're like, you need to do this in order to live, you know? And it, again, I, I did, I didn't know much about dialysis. I didn't know much about kidney failure. It was kind of just like, boom, 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 boom. Um, but, you know, they sent me home and I was just happy to be home. I was happy to be alive. Um, and in my mind, I was just like, okay, how am I going to beat this? You know, like, I'm ready. Like, let's go. You know, I wasn't like thinking like, Oh, poor me. I got like, it was more like, how do I get past this? Like I was already thinking past it. Like, Oh, this is over, you know? Um, but the, the first day of dialysis, um, you know, I had my treatment at 4am in the morning. So, um, it's weird with dialysis because they give you a time and that time is like your time forever. You know, at, you know, at the clinic, like you get your 4 a.m., like your 4 a.m., Monday, Wednesday, Friday, like forever. And I didn't really even understand that. So like when I went to dialysis the first time, you know, you, you go in and there's this ginormous room, ginormous room with hundreds of people in there and, and chair and they put you in a chair. Right. So everyone's in chairs. And there's people from just all walks of life, all ages. Like, and they're all just hooked up to, you know, most have, um, most have these two really big, they're 15 gauge needles and they, they go into your you arm. Me there, I'm out. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. There's these ginormous needles. And what the first thing that I noticed, um, you know, cause I'm looking around, like I was literally like, like the new kid in class, you know, like everyone else there. Um, it's a routine for them. It's part of life, you know, like. Every Monday and Friday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday for these people, they're there at that time in that chair, you know, and I felt like I was a new kid. I was like, who's that guy? Who's that guy? Who's that guy? You know, um, and it was a, it was a really wild experience because I look around and like there's people just moaning and groaning. It looked like there's people just dying, just laying there dying. Like I, I felt like I didn't belong there. You know, I really did. Like, I felt like, what am I doing here? You know, the, all these people look like they're dying. They really did. And, and the young people that were there, um, you know, even they, everyone looks, I'm just being honest. Everyone looked defeated, you know? Like everyone looked, yeah, and it, 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 that's how it appeared to me, at least. You know, like, it appeared to me like, man, everyone here looks so, why is everyone, 
so defeated? Why is everyone in such pain? Like, I didn't understand, you know, because I, I was a rookie, you know, like I only had one dialysis treatment, you know, and I, I wasn't aware that some of these people have been on dialysis for, for 10, 20 years, mm. you know, uh, you know, waiting for a, for a kidney, you know, uh, the, the wait time for a kidney in, in California is between eight and 10 years. So, um, and for dialysis, um, I want to say two in five people die within the first five years of dialysis. I, I, I'm pretty sure that's what the statistic is. So if you get caught up in there, it's really scary. But like it, during that time, I didn't even know that stat. So it wasn't even in my mind. Like I, I was really like seriously like just, okay, let's get this over with kind of, you know. So they hooked me up to the, to the thing. Everyone was just so nice, like the nurses and stuff. At, at dialysis, there's like a nurse and a tech and and they become kind of like, well, at first, um, it's, it's an odd feeling, you know, because to them, it's just a job, you know, it's like, oh, here's another guy here, connect, connect, you know, and, and then they go off on their, to their business, you know, and take care of other people. But to me, I was just like, what, what's really going on? You know, I'm hooked up to this machine and I'm like, man, I'm going to be here for four hours. And I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm like looking around, like, what do people do to, oh, to get doing this? <laughs> yeah. And I'm the only goofball that's up, you know, everyone else got the blanket and they're sleeping, they're laying back. And, and, and I'm just like looking around, like everything's so new, you know, I was like, again, I was like a, a new kid in class, you know, and I start talking to nurses and I start to get, you know, I'm trying to start conversations with the, the people that uh, the people on the chairs next to me, you know, and uh, it was just a wild experience. You know, it was just so new. And then I, I just remember, again, the same feeling that I had in the hospital, the cramping and the, the feeling, again, you get that feeling you're not in control. You know, mm -hmm. when you're hooked up to that machine and it's pulling all your blood out, you're looking at the machine like that. It's pulling out all your blood. It literally is. It's circulating all your blood or mm -hmm. a lot of it, you know? So, so anyways, so I get used to doing this thing where what I'm there. Every that, by the way, do you know what, what was that? after they pulled it out what do they do with that do they test well, no. it do they look at it do they clean it oh yeah well um well the machine cleans it so it it your blood goes into the machine it cleans it and then it goes back into your body and all during this process they're adding things like blood thinner or this and that they're adding vitamins they they're doing all this stuff that to keep it's like a pretty complicated process like if you if you ever look into what your kidney does your kidney is pretty amazing your your yeah. kidney has to to identify chemicals, what stays, what goes, what to do. It, it's, I've heard that your kidney is on the same level as your brain, as far as the, the amount of complexity that that's why, you know, there's artificial hearts and there's artificial this and that. There's not an artificial kidney yet. And mm -hmm. because it's so complicated, like it, it's not a simple organ, like a heart where it just pumps blood. Cause that's basically what a heart does. Right. Um, the kidney has to do a ton of stuff. So anyways, um, it, I give the, you know, I just, it, I was amazed at all the technology that's going into filtering my blood. Right. And um, so I get used to doing this routine where, you know, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 4am I'm there and you start to get to know the people around you, you know, and you start to hear their stories and stuff too. And, and I'm just being honest that, you know, I have a positive attitude, but it starts to bring you down, mm. you know, you know, because there's so much despair there. There's so many people that give up there. And, and I understand there's people that have 
have other diseases. There's people that have cancer and they have diabetes or they're missing limbs, they're blind, they're 90 years old. You know, they get wheeled into the dialysis clinic um, by themselves. You know, someone has to take them there. It's not a family member and they're there on their own, you know, mm -hmm. and you start to see all this and it, it becomes very depressing. And it kind of, it starts to rub off on you a little bit. You know, you're like, man, it, but the weird thing is like, I never felt like I belong there. Like I, again, I would always look around and I'm like, this isn't where I'm supposed to be. You know, it, it's really not. And I got to know the people around me and, and man, they're such good people. And they, they really inspired me, you know, like, um, th like the guy next to me, uh, you know, he, he, he's been going through dialysis since he was a teenager, you know, and, and, you know, he's in his thirties and, um, you know, I, I just see the shape he's in and, and the scars and the, the, he, he just been through so much, you know, and I just had so much respect for him and everyone there has that kind of story. Like everyone there's a warrior. And I, I started looking at these people, like when I first came there, I thought, man, all these people are defeated. But then the more I was there, I'm like, these people aren't defeated. These people are warriors. They've been fighting for years. And I just started to really respect it. And it became like, it wasn't depressing anymore. It was kind of like, man, that woman over there, she's blind, missing limb, and she's smiling and laughing. It's like, wow. They didn't wow. give up, they surrendered. Yes. And, and I just was so amazed at the people and it gave me strength, it really did. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just, I felt blessed to be there, to be around. Like, I felt like I needed to be there, you know? And like, I didn't, it, it was just weird because it, again, I'm human. I, there's some days you, some days where um, you go in and I still had a catheter on my chest, right? So I still had, it was like easy access, you know, <laughs> like they just plug you in, you're like, oh, this is cool. But as I went through dialysis, um, they, uh, they had to, they, I don't know if you can, probably can't see, but like, I have a little bump here. They basically have to rewire your your veins. So they take a main artery and they create like a super vein, and and that super vein is like a highway of 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 blood where they can easily access it. But when I say easily, it's two ginormous fifteen gauge needles. And um, so, long story short, I had I had to have a fit. It's called a fistula. So I had a fistula put in my arm. And it always kind of scared me because you see the people at the dialysis center and they have, they have ginormous lumps on their arms, like almost like a camel hump for where they plug in those needles and all the scar tissue. And they all wear it like a badge of honor. Like it's scary. Like at first I was like, oh my God, that's so scary. But then I see everyone, it almost is like, it's kind of just their battle wounds, you know, like, but I'm still here, you know, like, look, I've been through this, but I'm still here. You yeah, know, I'm still after having survived the yeah the longevity of dialysis treatment that they need to be able to continue their lives. You know, and and yeah, I was like, I was like, wow, you know, but I, I but I was scared too, though. I'm gonna be real. I'm like, man, is that what's gonna happen? You know, I'm vain. You know, I, I'm just human. Like I'm vain. I'm like, am I gonna have these ginormous lumps in my arm? And it's like, but then like the voice in your head's like, yeah, but you're gonna be alive. You know, and and that's that's all you're thinking about really is you want to live like yeah. 
like, like you said, if someone tells you you can't do something, you're like, no, I, I'm going to do this. It's the same thing. If someone says you're going to die, no, I'm going to live. Mm. And it, it, it kind of, it, it puts your drive into overdrive. Like for me, I was already pretty driven, but it took it into overdrive. Like, look, it, it's go time, you know? So I get this fistula in my arm and I remember the first, <laughs> the first day the the text put those needles in you're just like whoa like it I, i'm being honest it hurts right but to me it was kind of like and again i'm not normal but in my mind how i would go through it i would be like it's a fight or it's a battle I'm like, let's go let's go like i would have that attitude like all right let's let's do it like let's do it you know it hurt, and, but i mean it's kind of good that it hurt because you're alive to feel the pain that it's to causing yeah. to save you, you know? It, no, it, it's weird. It's weird. It's weird because, yeah, you're right. It, it, it reminds you. It reminds you that you're human. It reminds you that you're fragile. It, and it, it just, it just really humbles you, you know? Like, I, I always, you know, I have an ego. You know, I've been training for a long time. I always think I'm a strong person. And, and, and you know, I pride myself in that. And you almost start to think that, you are what you look like kind of thing. You like your, your self-identity is, Oh, I work out all the time, but really you're so much more than that, you know? And when, when you get broken down and humbled like that, where, okay, look, I'm on top of the world. I could bench uh, 500 pounds. I could squat 600 pounds. Okay. Now I need a machine to live, <laughs> you know, like now I need this machine. Like I'm tethered to this machine. I'm tethered to being here three days a week. Like, there's no missing, you know, there's no, I can't make it today. I got to do something. No, it, you got to be there if you want to live, you know, and okay. it's very, and, you know, it's so important to look after the temple that you're in. So working out for me is very important as well. But again, it's, a, it's also, um, you know, it's a good reminder to remember that we are just human. We are quite fragile. And in times of, in that situation, being vulnerable, it doesn't even have to be a big needle to scare the crap out of me, to be honest. I, you know, I see one and I run. So <laughs> for anyone that's going through this, like, seriously, my heart goes out to you and um, I commend you for the strength that you have to endure, to go through this. I've had friends through, um, go through cancer and, you know, many conditions where they've had to do this, but I never knew the depth of what they actually went through because no one's ever explained it to me. So it's probably a really good insight for anyone listening that if someone is going through this, like, I was thinking before, you know, when you first walked in, why isn't there somebody going around supporting them, you know, um, talking oh, to that, them or just, just so being there, like holding their hand or whatever it is, like, you know, just, I mean, it's four hours. It's a long time to sit there and think about your life while there's this giant needle. In oh, your that, you, I mean, you said it perfectly. Like that is the most, I mean, that's some real self-reflection. You know, <laughs> when you're sitting there for four hours, and it it's just you and that machine you know and and it doesn't feel good like i said it it feels it drains you when you're done with dialysis um you're done for the day like it was funny because you know um it's not funny at all but you know when i first started going everyone that's on dialysis um they're all on disability and nobody's working and at first i'm like oh why why aren't you still working like why can't you still like that's just my first thought, you know, because my first thought was, oh, I got to get back to work. You know, mm -hmm. I got to get back to making money. I got to get, I want, I got to, 
you know, I have a family, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta have to provide, you know, as a man, it's kind of like in our DNA um, to provide, you know, and it's really humbling because you can't provide, you know, after dialysis, I, I would be trying to drink a cup of coffee and I'd be pouring it on myself. I, I was so weak. I was so tired. My mind didn't work. Like your mind is scrambled. Like literally you can't think like it's such a crazy experience for the, the day of dialysis. The day of dialysis was like, I started to realize that dialysis days were just a wash. Like don't even try to do anything, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I relied heavily on my girlfriend. I, I relied heavily on the support of my parents um, and friends. Like it just, to kind of just talk to me and get me through it, you know, like I definitely didn't do it alone, you know, and, and I prayed a lot and I just asked for strength, you know, I just asked for strength because, um, as much of a fighter as I am, um, there's days where you're like, is this worth it? Like, do I, do I want to do this? You know, like, where's the end? Like, it, you, you know, again, I'm human. You know, I have, I had those days, you know, and it's when you're driving, because, you know, even as a fight, like I've, what I'm hearing from you is that your whole life, you've been like in charge, the fighter, the provider, the doer, the go-getter, all of that. But this has kind of been a lesson to teach you as well, that you don't have to do it alone. There's people around no. you that will just support you, you know, and that's important for people listening because you never have to go through anything alone. You know, it might not be that you have a supportive network or family or whatever. There's a lot of people that have been disassociated with their families for whatever reasons, but there are people out there that care about you and that you can call upon to help you get through that. And I think maybe, maybe that's one of the lessons that you received in this journey as well. You know, you've been doing it all on your own for so long and the, and the universe or God or whatever you believe in just said, just take a break, dude. Just have a break. Uh, I, I was so humbled. I, I was so humbled. And and that was one of the hardest things at first to deal with is to not be the provider, to not be the, the rock. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, as a man, it, it's hard to put into words. I know there's women that are providers and women that are rocks too, but just as a man to not be able to provide is, is heart-wrenching, you know, to, to be to have to rely again on a machine, to have to rely on people to drive you around. Um, it, it's really hard for, especially someone that's independent, you know, it, it's a, it's a tough pill to swallow, you know. Um, it's not even just for a man, it's just a masculine energy. You know, you want to be that strength. You want to be that, like exactly what you're describing. So totally relatable, but yeah, absolutely. Especially um, being a man, like, traditionally it is a man's job to look after a woman you know um Mm -hmm. and well that's just the way it's been in history yeah yeah it's so important to know because a lot of men beat themselves up about this as well you know even in everyday life not just going through dialysis or something of a crisis of this nature which is you know thank god you're alive to share this story with us today two years later but in everyday situations there's a lot of men that feel helpless because they have to be vulnerable and again i just want to make sure that the listeners are realizing that it's okay to just sometimes be vulnerable you know and allow yourself to be humbled yeah uh it was a tough pill to swallow and it 
you know, at dialysis center, you know, they do get, they do have social workers there. You know, they, they do have people that talk to you and, and um, they really do their best to kind of help you. And they want to listen. And, and you hear it. It's funny because like, they talk to you and everyone, all of us that are sitting in that chair and in that zone, um, all of us have had that dark moment in their head where you don't want to deal with it anymore. You know? Mm -hmm. So like they ask you, like, are you suicidal? Do you ever think about killing yourself? And of course you say no. Right. Cause if you say yes, they're going to, you're going to think you're crazy, but every single person in that room has thought that, you know, and, Unfortunately, I was actually in dialysis center when uh, a patient was arguing with the nurse. He just wanted to get off the, the dialysis because some people just want to leave. Like some, sometimes they get to, you get to a point where you're on dialysis. You're like, no, I'm done. I'm done. I, I can't do this. Like you, cause you don't think straight on dialysis. Like your, your rational thought process, it's literally like fight or flight. Sometimes you're just like, all right, flight. <laughs> like get yeah, me out the of here. brain kicks in and you just want to get the hell out of there. Yeah. And then especially with older, I, well, it's everyone younger, older, but I remember this guy, he was in his thirties and he's in a wheelchair and he was fighting with the, he's fighting with the nurse. And, you know, all of us kind of understand, like, like even when someone gets a little out of control, like it's not really crazy to us. Cause like everyone that's in here, like, yeah, you know, yeah. So this guy was fighting with the nurse. He just wanted to leave and the nurse. Like, you can't leave. He's like, I just want to leave. Finally, she let him leave. Right. He wheeled his wheelchair right into traffic. He killed himself, like literally from all of us, you know? And I, I remember the security guard ran in and said, he just killed himself. He just wheeled himself in front of a bus. And like, it's weird because all of us sitting there, we weren't like in shock. You know what I mean? Like, it's hard to explain. Like, none of us are like, oh, wow, that, that's crazy. You're like, wow. Like all the nurses are freaking out and the nurse that he was fighting with actually tried to save his life, you know, and, and she was hysterical, hysterical because she was just fighting with them and now he's dead, you know, well, or they, they didn't know they're trying to save him. He was, they're taking him to the hospital, but we all kind of knew he was gone, you know, I, I mean, and just by looking at the faces of the people that are trying to save him, we're all like, oh, he's, he's gone. And it was just like, all of us there, we're kind of like, we get it. We've all had that thought. You know, you get to that. Again, I'm a positive person and I'm a fighter, but you still, it it wears you down day after day after day of going and, and just draining your soul. And like, you're thankful to be alive, but you, like for me, I felt like you're trading your soul, a little piece, it's taking a little piece of your soul every day. And you're, you're, you're exchanging that for another day of life. So it's like, here's some of my soul. I get to live a day, but eventually it wears you down, you know? Yeah, um, I, I can it, see exactly what you mean. I mean, you know, it, it's a, it's a tough topic to discuss again, suicide, right? But yeah. I mean, a lot of people have said things like, oh, suicide is really selfish. There's a lot of stigma around it. But unless yeah. you're actually going through like you're explaining and you've been there and you've been to that to that door and you understand and you've been in that state of mind and you've felt those feelings and it's at the point where it's like, I am so done. 
you know it's really hard and I wish people would just have a different perspective and not judge because you don't know how hard you know that poor person was fighting to you don't know what was going on through their mind you know to people around it's like oh my god it's tragic she left their whole family behind all of that but this is the person that had to go through this every day, you know, and as you're explaining it and you're saying it feels like they're taking a piece of your soul and you have to trade that for four hours dialysis every day. Like that's such, um, think about it from that perspective. Like that's, you know, that's pretty deep. Yeah. And like, again, you, you, you do start, it's interesting. You said like, well, just the stigma of suicide, it's selfish because that's the first thing, like that I personally would be thinking of, like I'd have those thoughts and I'm just being honest. I have those thought, thoughts sometimes when I'm not thinking right. And I, I would be like, wow, it's so selfish of me. You know, like I would think about all the sacrifices my parents made to get me to this point, you know, the supporting me when I was younger and, and to always support me. I was thinking about all the hard work my girlfriend Jules is doing to support me and her family supporting me, her brother, her, just everyone in her family just took me like, I'm, I'm one of them, you know? And just everyone that was just supporting me. I was like, I can't let these people down. Like it did lift me up, you know, it really did. And again, every night um, I would just be praying, like, give me strength, like give me strength, please. Cause uh, I'm losing it, you know? So you know, after, and I'm, I'm talking about after being on this dialysis for, for like three or four months, like it starts to wear on you. And that's why it would, it would blow my mind when people at dialysis would be like, they've been on it 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. You start to think like, oh my God, really? Like I'm going to do this for 10 years. You, you know, the average kidney wait time, 10 years. Right. So I'm about four or five months in and, and I'm just like, I, I, man, how am I going to do this? But at the same time, you know, you know, I'm driving at four in the morning or actually I'm, I'm driving at three in the morning to get to dialysis and it's pitch black. It's cold. You know, I'm by myself, you know, and you're just thinking like, it's just you and darkness, you know, and as depressing as that is, there was a, there was something inside of me that was looking at myself from outside my body, like almost like, like it already happened. Your high like this, yeah. like this mm -hmm. already happened. Like um, it, it's like deja vu, but not, but, but so much more than deja vu. Like it really felt like, like, look, this happened. And it was almost like, I remember one day I'm driving in the dark and I get to dialysis center and it's again, super cold. I'm walking there, that lonely walk from your car to the center, you know, and I'm walking and I'm thinking like, this is like the lowest point of my life, you know, but then I also had a strong feeling that my future self was looking at this and like my future self who was in such a great place was looking back. It's like, look how far I've come. Remember this time. Remember this low point because you're going to be so much higher. Like, remember this, you know, like you're it's not be over. This podcast one day sharing the story about your future self. <laughs> well, I'm even talking like future my future self. <laughs> it, it literally was my future self looking back saying, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Like you're, 
I almost felt like I had to pay my dues a little bit, you know, like it's weird saying that, but I, I almost felt like I needed to do this to get to the next level. You know, I, I needed to be humbled and, and I didn't even know how I was going to get out of this, you know, because <laughs> you know, again, eight, eight to 10 year wait period. But at that point, I, I wasn't even thinking about that. You know, like I, I wasn't relying on a kidney. Like at this, at this point, like my girlfriend's testing, I have, you know, my sister was testing for, for kidney. Like I didn't like, I I'd see people on Facebook, uh, in the kidney boards of uh, the kidney groups. And, you know, I see people they're they're begging. I'm just being real they're begging for a kidney. They're begging for life. They're pleading for life. Mm. And like, for me, I couldn't do that. Like, I couldn't be like, please give me a kidney. Like in my mind, I couldn't ask for that from someone, you know, like, even though everyone has two and, and don't donating one that you're still could be, you're still fine. But mm. to me, I, I wouldn't want to burden someone with all this, you know, like I kind of felt like this is my battle. <laughs> it's crazy as that is like, this is, I don't want to, I don't want to hurt anyone else. Like, this is me. I got to do this, you know? Yeah, that takes a lot of, that takes a lot of guts to have that kind of extreme ownership on the condition that you ended up with, because a lot of people don't, you know, um, they simply don't. And I'm yeah. not saying that people begging for kidneys didn't take ownership or anything like that. All I'm no. saying. No, I get in, it. In that, in that moment, in your journey, it just sounded like, you know, I, called this into my life for whatever reason god did god's giving me this lesson what is it that i need to listen and what do i what do i need to learn from this and you know how do i do that without imposing on somebody else when you're not imposing but i understand where you're coming from because it's like i don't want someone else to hurt because of something that um you know i called into my life god's giving me this lesson for a reason what is it you know right and I just remember like, you know, my, my girlfriend, Jules, she was testing and, and, and she would give me both her kidneys. You know, I remember her brother was offering and all these people were just offering and it just blew me away. You know, like the love I was getting from people, like people wanted me to live, you know, and, and that was just so real, you know, that, that's just such a real, I, I can't even put it into words. Like that's just like real love, you know, and, and that doesn't, that's not common. And sometimes you don't realize how much, how much you mean to people until you're in that situation, you know? So that just made me want to fight more. And, 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 and man, I was fighting and it was really weird because around the, the six month period, I remember uh, a friend of mine, someone I, I used to, I used to own a, a nutrition store inside of a gym. And so I, I used to see all sorts of customers and stuff. And I remember one customer, I only talked to once and I was like Facebook friends with them. And, and it was kind of like, um, yeah, just passing, but one time. And I remember I was checking my Facebook and I got a, a message from that person. And I never talked to that person and they sent me a link. And the, the link was for, um, there was for, uh, not for, it was a story on Fox news about uh, a boxer who had FSGS, who had the same kidney disease as me and, and how he's looking for a kidney. And it's like this, it's like new, big news story in LA. And I, and I was reading it. I was like, man, what a, what a an inspirational person. You know, the guy's name was Mark Cornell. And I was like, what an inspirational person, you know? And then it dawned on me, like, 
why did why did this person send me this story? I was really close as far as like who I told I was even going through. No one knew I was going through what I was going through. You know, on Facebook, I'm all smiling and, you know, but I was, you know, I was going through some stuff, right? So no one even knew I had FSGS. And this person sends me this article about this person that has FSGS. And I remember I messaged a person like, oh, hey, like I haven't talked to you in like six years. You know, why did you send me this? you know, the story about this guy is FSGS. And she's like, oh, it's one of my best friends. He's a great guy. You know, he's looking for a kidney, it's FSGS. And I'm like, yeah, but why did you send it to me? And then she, she really, and I can't even make this up because, um, you know, my girlfriend Jules will back it up, but she's like, um, I felt like God told me to send this to you. And I thought that was wild. That blew me away. Like literally I told everyone that day, I'm like, oh my God, this, this girl sent me this. I met her one time. And she said, God told her to send me. It's not a coincidence. It's not. Thing. And and I told everyone. It wasn't like I was like, oh, that's like literally I told everyone, like, how weird is it? Like, what's the chances of that? Like, what that's a pretty rare disease, FSGS. Like, not not many people have that. So um I ended up contacting this guy. Um, you know, I contacted him and we had so much in common, you know, and he was going through the same thing I've been going through for 10 years, you know, and he's still looking and I just became really good friends with him. You know, we had like this, well, obviously this common enemy, you know, this FSGS and, and he was a boxer and, you know, I, I like to train and, you know, fitness was my universe too. So we had a lot in common because it destroys your body going through dialysis. I mean, you waste away, but honestly, during this whole time, I was still working out. I was still trying to, I was still like, they tell you, you get the fistula in your wrist and they're like, don't don't lift more than five pounds you know or you could bust it out and I literally is like one year out the other I'm training at my house like on the days I didn't have dialysis on the days I have dialysis I, I was done but the days I didn't have dialysis I literally was training for the transplant like I literally was like I, I'm like I need to be strong for this transplant like even though it wasn't even on the radar but in my mind I was like I'm training for this transplant. I want to be the strongest I could be. I want to be the healthiest I could be so I can get this transplant. And, and like, I was training abs. I was doing all this because my other going to cut me up here. <laughs> I was really thinking that but far that's, ahead. That's powerful because to receive something like that, it truly is a gift, you know? So mm-hmm. you were setting up your body to receive that gift with complete gratitude and having set up like you know like a fortress for it to be able to just really come home and be like okay I I like this home he is gonna take (laughs) care of me now you know this is a good place to live (laughs) yeah well I the thing is like you know again control you know I one thing I learned through all this I well I learned lots of things but you know there's a lot of things you can't control but the things you can control you give it everything you got you know, so the thing, the variables that I could control, I went all out, you know, uh, anything that I could do to better my chances to live and to be strong and to provide, I did, you know, and so that was at like about month six. And then, you know, I, again, you have waves, you know, there's, there's months where you're like, I got this, let's do this. And then you have times where you're like, How, can I do this? <laughs> you know, like you question, you know? And, 
and it's, it's very interesting no, because it's very much like I know that you've had some entrepreneurial um you know journeys as well again it comes back to mindset this is something that's quite natural in the recovery of physical in the recovery of financial and recovery of many areas of your life to go on that roller coaster and have mm-hmm. to really accept that some days I'm just going to surrender to the fact that it's going to be a bad day today or I'm going to like totally champion this out and I'm going to, you know, smash it. So, yeah, yeah, it's important for people listening, like no matter what it is that you're going through, work on that mindset because it sounds like, especially with you, Tony, um, you know, that's what got you through. You know, having that rock solid mindset was crucial. I just remember like some days um, because, you know, as time progressed, you know, the people that were, eligible to even give me a kidney um dwindled because it's actually a hard process like they you can't even if someone really wants to give you a kidney there's so many things that have to match up and there's so many health conditions that they have to have like perfect in order for them to allow it so like they have high blood pressure if they have this or that there's so many little things the 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 transplant team says no you know so um again I, i i always felt like I would be okay though. Like as crazy as that sounds, like again, during dialysis, even at this point, I'm still walking in with a smile on my face. I'm still putting on that mask. Like everything is okay. I'm as positive as I can be, no matter what doubt I have in my head. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna show it. I'm kind of like, I'm almost forcing myself to be positive sometimes, you know, like, no, I'm, I'm gonna do this. No, you're gonna, like, no matter what the voice is in my head, all the doubt, like, you know, because when, when you're going through dialysis, you have an expiration. Like, again, you start to realize that, you know, two and five people die in five years of dialysis. Like you start to realize like the more, you know, actually the harder it gets, you know, like when I first started, I was like, let's do this. We're going to do, I'm getting through this. But then the more you start to learn, it's almost like detrimental. You know, you hear statistics and it's almost like when you go look up, a, uh, if you're sick, you look up what's wrong with you on, on WebMD and you're like, ah, right, <laughs> right. It, right. You don't do it. Don't do it ever. Right. Um, so like what, the more you learn, the more it's like, wow, like there's a clock. It, it almost becomes like, like for me, um, you know, I could be, I have a positive attitude and stuff, but there's out of all the voices in your head, one voice is always it's like a, there's like a, uh, like a clock in your head. It's ticking. It's like tick tock, tick tock. And it's saying you're dying. You're dying. You're no, no matter what you're doing, that clock in your, you're hearing that voice saying you're dying, you're dying, you're dying. And it's really hard. It's really hard to deal with that because you can block it out and be positive. And, and for me, this is what I, I blocked out. Like, no, you're not dying. Like, stop saying that, <laughs> you know, but in your head, no matter what you're doing, you're thinking I'm dying. You're eating breakfast. You're dying. You're dying. You're dying. You know, you're talking to your girlfriend, you're talking to your mom or dad, like you're dying. You're dying. It, it's hard. It's hard. sometimes. The voice, like your unconscious mind, you know, that, that little in the back of your mind. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that that actually is detrimental to get that under control. Um, because you're going to be having an amazing day and then just out of nowhere one moment of weakness that comes in and and that's it you know game over for that day (laughs) yeah because it it feels like you know 
when when you're told you need a kidney to live, like it is like, I mean, we all have we all have an expiration date, right? <laughs> I mean, that, that's being human. You know, we're all going to go sometime. But when you're when you're going through this dialysis, your expiration date is dramatically lowered. You know, like you, you really like you really don't know. And even though I've been, you know, even though I was told, oh, you're going to die in two hours and I didn't like having an expiration date really changes like your life goals. Like mm-hmm. we all have expiration dates, but the thing you start to think in your head, like, you know, do I have five years? Do I have two years? And then again, your mind plays games with you because the dialysis scrambles your brain. Like mm-hmm. you, it's hard. It, it, it's hard. I can't say that enough. It It's so hard. And it, it wears you down, you know, and as strong as in, but you know what, I still, like I said, I still came in every day. I still put a smile on my face. I still, you know, tried to make the best of the situation. I'd be like trading stock from my dialysis chair. <laughs> like I, I want, I'm like, okay, I'm going to, if I'm going to be here for four hours, I'm going to try to make money <laughs> doing something. Right. So I, I tried to make the most of it, but um, it does rub off though, you know, cause I, I tried, I always tried to cheer up the patients around me. Again, I found inspiration in them. Um, I, I became such cl- close friends with the people around me at dialysis. They become your family. Like literally you see them, you know, 12 hours a day or 12 hours a week. Like, and you're just staring at each other. Like literally, there's a, so you're going to talk to people, right? And you hear their stories and you become really close to them. And I started getting so close to so many people hearing their stories. And again, it's so inspirational. And it did, you kind of feed off each other. You know, you're like, oh, wow, this person's fighting. What's my excuse? You know, like um, one of the women that uh, one of the uh, yeah, one of the this one woman who um, I I talked to a lot. She had diabetes. She was missing a leg. She used to be a school teacher. And, you know, now, you know, again, she has diabetes. She's blind. She's missing a leg, you know, and she's always every day smiling to me. And um, she just had the best attitude like every day. And it got to the point where I'm like, dude, what's wrong with you? Like to me, like talking to myself, like what's wrong with you? This woman is, seems happy as heck, you know, and look at what she, what's wrong with you. You still got your legs. You can still see like, come on, let, let's get through this. You know, the powerful lesson in there is the attitude of gratitude, you know, um, and really seeing um, that through somebody else's eyes. Um, and yeah, and um, so, you know, time progresses. Again, I have good days, bad days. It, it starts getting to December, you know, um, and December, you know, Christmas and all that. And it was bringing back memories because just a year ago, you know, it, it was a crazy year. <laughs> Let me just put it that way with, with the Dallas's and the being told I was going to die and the whole surrendering, me being like the provider to me being where I need help, you know, it was a tough year. So it gets to December and you start get, it, it was like an extra emotional month. Right. And it, it starts getting closer and closer to the Christmas. And um, it becomes really hard for me to stay positive. You know, like I know people during the, I mean, I think people get the most depressed during the holidays. Right. Uh because you have a lot of time to reflect and think. You're not at work. You're not distracted by all the things that's happening. Yeah. And for you, it would have been super extra because a year ago, I mean, you're not meant to be here, you know, according to the laws of <laughs> where no, the doctor studied, um, you know. Yeah. 
no it, it so it, it gets closer and closer and then it then it's christmas eve right and it was weird because um uh, because of the changing hours of dialysis during the holiday week we had an extra dialysis se uh session so as bad as dialysis is the one week i had it four times instead of three and and i was just like so just burnt out you know i was like I, I can't do this, you know, like, so I remember Christmas Eve waking up and just looking up at the sky saying, give me strength. I, I can't do this, you know, but I, you know, I, I got myself up, I'm in the car driving to dialysis and I'm just thinking, and I'm getting sad. Like I, it's Christmas Eve. And I'm like, I should be like thinking about good things, you know, like celebrating with family and I'm going to dialysis and I'm thinking like, how much longer am I going to be able to do this? You know, and I remember getting into pulling into the parking lot, pitch black, cold, sitting there alone, just sitting there in the car. And I kind of broke down. I didn't kind of, I broke down, you know, I, I kind of, I, I broke down and um, I was crying in my car and I was just like, mm -hmm. I can't do this. And I was literally talking, looking up at the sky saying, please, please help me. Like, get me through this give me strength like I, I i gotta you know get me through this um and i go into um i pull myself together right <laughs> and again i pull myself together and i'm like okay let, let's just do this you know and i was in a really depressing mood i get into the dialysis i sit in my chair the the nurse um goes to put the needles in my arm and she blew out my vein it happens all the time. You know, they, they do their best, but sometimes they blow out your vein. And I remember the nurse saying, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. I know I shouldn't have came into work today. Oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. And I just feel my arm just heating up and just blowing up, right? And I didn't want to look at my arm. I was just pissed off. Like, yeah, of course this happens. You know, of course this happens on Christmas Eve, right? And and then she calls one of the other techs, and they come and they fix it. And I'm going through dialysis and again i'm so i'm just in a bad mood you know i'm like i this is horrible you know like i was just in the worst mood possible and then after dialysis you know it's christmas eve and everyone's saying you know you know you know have a happy christmas everyone's like greeting each other and stuff and i started to kind of get a little bit you know happier and the one woman who i've been getting good friends with who was blind um she heard me walk by and she's like, I have a, I have a present for you. And she gave me like a present and it was like, it was like the cutest thing. She always heard me talk about my dogs and stuff. And she gave me a, a gift where it was like dog treats and stuff like that. And it was just, it just blew me away. Like it just blew me away. Like how kind she was. And it kind of just like turned everything around in me. It really did. And I, you know, I gave her a big hug and I was just thankful. And then I just started thanking, I, I started thanking all the doctors and nurses, like basically anyone I could thank. I was like, thanks for keeping me alive this year. Like you put things in perspective again. You know, um, I just thanked all my friends, you know, just for being there in the support. I was just like a total sap, right? <laughs> so, um, Isn't it beautiful that a woman with no sight gave you that perspective? She really did. And um, I remember going home in, a in such a positive mood because some days after dialysis, I'd come home and I, I have a horrible attitude sometimes. I, I just did. And, you know, and, and I took it out on my it's girlfriend. You know, I, yeah. So during this time, I was like, this time I felt different. So this time I went home and I was like, I gave my girlfriend a big hug 
And I'm like, let's go to breakfast. You know, it, I'm like, you know, let, let's have a good day. You know, it's Christmas Eve, you know, let's make the best of it, you know? And I remember we're on our way, um, on our way to, to breakfast and I get a call and it said from Russia. I was like, what the, and I'm like, whatever. And like, I, you know, declined it. And then she got a call and I'm like, what? And she, she answered it and gave the phone to me. It was the kidney transplant team. And um, they told me they had a kidney for me. They, they told me I had a 100%, 100% genetic match kidney. And I was just like in shock. Like in my mind, I was like, I didn't believe it. You know, and my girlfriend's crying and going crazy. And the, the guy on the phone's like, uh, I hope you realize that this is like winning the lotto, like to get a hundred percent genetic match. And again, I didn't even believe it, you know, and, and they, 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 uh, you know, I didn't even believe it. And they're like, you know, we're going to call you again to come in the hospital. Are you available? I'm like, yeah, I'm available. Right. So it was kind of like time stood still, like it became completely surreal. Like, just like when I was told I was going to die, everything stopped everything stopped all the voices stopped and it was like you're going to be reborn it was the wildest feeling and i was just silent you know i was just silent and i thank god and i just couldn't believe it you know and then we went home and i'm sitting there getting ready and and in my in my head i'm like i'm not going to get that call they're not going to call me back like who am i to get a kidney you know like I've, I've been waiting for, I was literally only on the kidney transplant list for two months, two months. And people wait eight to 10 years. And to me, I was like, who am I to get it? Like, why me? I'm just like a regular person. Right. You know what? And, why not you? Well, yeah, but I was like, why me? And I was having that conversation with God again, because again, everything stopped, like everything in my head, like no chatter, no chatter. It was like direct connection. And, and it wasn't it was like I was talking, but it was, it was kind of like you went back to the moment where you were diagnosed and there was, you know, you yeah. went back to that tunnel and it's like, wow, yeah. just. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I was in that tunnel. So, you know, they, they ended up calling us back. They said, come in. We, you know, I, I, it started to feel like this was what was always supposed to happen. Like me training and me doing all the things I was doing, preparing. I'm like, this is it. Like, it felt right. Like, it felt like, just like when I was driving to dialysis and I felt like my future self was saying, it's going to be all right. Like, it's okay. You know, I felt that same feeling, you know, like this is what's supposed to happen. This is what always happened. You know, I had that feeling like, again, deja vu, like this is what, this is what happens, man. And, and you're going to be all right. But I was still scared, you know, cause like, like they're going to be like pulling stuff. I, I don't know. I don't know the process, you know, like everything that they taught us in, cause you have to go to class and stuff and they tell you what's going to happen way beforehand. Um, everything they ta taught us, I, I've totally forgotten. Like, Oh my God, what's going to happen? You know? And you know, we, we, we get to the hospital. They, um, you know, they, uh, prep us. I mean, prep me, <laughs> you know, you, you get in the gown, they do all that stuff. And I'm just thinking like, 
I was just so grateful. And I really felt like, I really felt that God was touching me. I really did. I felt like God was there with me. Um, something not human was with me. And I was just so grateful. And I, I it's such an amazing feeling to, to, to know, for me, to know that there is a God, there, there is, like, that was literally one year exactly from almost dying. I had my kidney transplant Christmas Day, one year exactly from being told I was going to die, going through all that hardship on Christmas Day. Like, you can't even make that up. Like, the nurses and doctors are laughing. They're like, they're like this is like a Hallmark movie. All you have to do is fall in love with a, a, a down, in the, down on their luck nurse. And this is a, you know, this is a Hallmark movie, right? Um, so like, no, I have a girlfriend, but, but we might have to change the movie a little bit. But um, I just remember like, again, just being in that zone and just being thanking God that I, I felt like he was touching me. I felt like he was there. And you know, when I woke up, when I woke up, I felt amazing. I literally felt like I felt 20 years ago. I, I and it wasn't just the, <laughs> it wasn't the drugs either. Like I literally woke up and I immediately stood up and they're like, what are you doing? You know, like I was just so happy to be alive. I was so, I felt like I really was reborn. I was reborn and I really felt like I was touched by God. And once you really feel like you were touched by God, what do you have to fear? There's nothing to fear. When, when you, when you've been touched like that, I, my senses were so just out of this. I, I felt like a different person and no chatter, no, in my head, it was all just like, you're reborn and you have a purpose. You have a purpose, you know? And it, it was just the most amazing feeling. I can't even put it into words. Like it was just, it, it was amazing. And I think you can feel it through your energy. You know, I don't think you need to, I mean, you know, the nurses were right. It, it's something you see in the movies, you know, um, a year ago, you should have been dead. And yet yeah. here you are Christmas a year later with the most beautiful, precious gift you've ever received your entire life. Um, you know, touched by, you know, touched by God, touched by you, you had the vision, you, you saw it, you felt it like you knew it. It was just a matter of that really literally coming to life in your life <laughs> in that space. But, it gives yeah, it, a lot um, of people hope, you know, because a lot of people don't have the drive and don't have that uh, mindset that you had, you know, to, to really to really bring it home. It was you, like you, you know what I mean? <laughs> I Well, again, as strong as I might sound, I had moments where I, I was as weak as you could be weak. But, you know, it's something I learned in business that I apply to life is no matter how bad things get, you just got to stay above water. You know, yeah. you just got to give yourself a chance. You know, if you have a chance, you can do it, you know, mm -hmm. and no matter how slim that chance is. And I always felt that like, just give me a chance and, and I'm going to do this, you know, and, and I, I did my part. I controlled as much as I could. And the greatest feeling was again, waking up. I literally walked around the hospital right away. They're like, what are you, how are you walking around? I was so excited to be alive. You know, I was still so thankful. You didn't tell them that you were still training while you were doing that. <laughs> well, 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 so they, now, <laughs> if they listen to this, <laughs> uh, they 
they were pretty amazed. And um, I was just thankful to to the doctors, the the incredible doctors, incredible nurses. I was in, I was thankful to my family, my girlfriend, her family, just everyone that that prayed for me and just sent positive vibes to me. I felt it all, you know, and I just felt it all. Um, and the yeah, it was it was just an it was an amazing event. And um, yeah, With the uh, way that you've it, shared your story, every single person listening to this has felt it all. And you know, I'm so grateful that you've been able to. Um, yeah, take us on the journey because, like I said before, listening to your story, I had no idea what dialysis was like, and a lot of people don't because, um, fortunately or unfortunately, not everybody goes through this or knows someone that has. You know, it's it's a tough situation to be in. But here you are, after being told you've got two hours to live, more than two years later, showing us the power of you know the power of your mindset the power of god the power of being present the power really really appreciating the gift and every breath that you have in this life and that that is a beautiful place to be but um i guess i guess my last question for you is um if today was your last day what would your message be to the world well, one thing that I, one thing that I really learned through all this, and I don't think you have to be dying to, to do this, is to literally live every day like it is your last. As cheesy as that sounds, and it's so it's said so much because it's so true. You know, like when you have the expiration date in your head, you, you do appreciate things more. You appreciate the little things, and I did, and that, that's why I'm thankful for everything that happened because. It humbled me, but it also, it made me appreciate everything that I have in my life. And when it comes down to it, you know, none of that material stuff mattered. It was all the people in my life and, mm -hmm. and, and the love, like, and the time I wanted to share with them. So my message would be like, literally nothing's promised. No matter if you're diagnosed with something, if someone's telling you you have two hours to live, you might have two hours to live anyways. Like nothing is promised. You, you can die tomorrow. Anybody, I can, anyone. Like nothing is promised. So literally make the most of your life because don't take it for granted because you might not have it, you know? So, so tell that person you love them, you know, do the things that, that do, I mean, fulfill those dreams that you have because we all have an expiration date and we don't know what it is. So, so make the most of what you got, you know, um, and, and go do it, get it done. You know, uh, there's no excuses. No, don't don't be stuck in situations that are going nowhere. Like it's up to you to change it. You know, um, live life is what I'm trying to say. So I can <laughs> live life. I love that message, you know, and you're absolutely right. We don't know how long we have. We definitely have the guaranteed expiry date. When that is, we don't know. So I love that message, you know, um, live now. Live every single day like it's your last. Don't go out and do crazy, silly things, but live live, um, live on purpose. Live with intention, you know, live from a good space in your heart while you have that heart beating because that's the most important thing and compass in my life, to be honest. But you know, thank you so much for your time, Tony. Um, oh, no problem. It's gone way over time, but it doesn't matter because I know oh. that people listening will get so much value out of leaning into everything that you've shared, you know, with your vulnerability, with your story, with the people that inspired you at your darkest moments and, and vice versa, you know. 
Um, but I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that might know someone or is going through these that wants to reach out to you. So if they do want to reach out to you, they want to have a conversation with you or, you know, just, just have a chat, whatever it is, how can they reach you? Uh, you can email me uh, to start. I mean, just uh, tony.novak at gmail.com. So T-O-N-Y dot Novak, N-O-V-A-K at gmail.com. And anything I could do to help anyone that's inspired, like, um, I, I love one of the things going through all this is you, I have the need, and I know a lot of people that go through this also, you have the need to, to help other people, you know, you become so much more aware, like, real quick, like when I would go to the hospital, after the kidney transplant for follow ups and stuff, like, literally, my empathy went through the roof, like, I would like, look, look out for people who needed help. I'd be like, Hey, you know, like, like you really, it, man, it, it just made me such a better person. So all the crazy stuff I went through during a year, it was all worth it. I wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't change anything. So tony.novak at gmail.com, anything I could do to help, I'll do it. There you go, guys. This is how you can reach Tony. And if for some reason you've forgotten that, reach out to me and I'll connect you because this man is going to change many, many lives. And I love that you've dedicated yourself to inspiring other people. There is a lot of people that are out there that need support and you've got so much experience in so many areas. So, you know what, even if you just like Tony's voice, you know, reach out to him, have a conversation. You just never know something that he has to share. It'd be a little, real small thing or a really big thing that could help you shift somebody else's life. And this is what we're here to do. We're all just walking each other home. You know, we're all just here to lean on each other. And um, again, thank you so much for your time. Um, I'd love to bring you back, you know, continue the story down the track. That It's evolved as we go. You know, we've become... Yeah. Pretty good friends. I'm um, good friends with your girlfriend, Jules. You know, she's an amazing human being. I can't wait to have her on a podcast as well. <laughs> um, but until then, guys, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Immersion in Your Box. And Tony, once again, thank you so much for just going so deep with your story. It's been an absolute pleasure. Well, thanks for having me. And I appreciate your friendship as well. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you, guys. Until next time, um, we'll talk then. <laughs>